Hey everyone, it's Kayla. Welcome to our discussion of Chapter 11 of The Fellowship of the Ring. Before we get going, I just want to let you in on a little bit of behind-the-scenes information. It's been a hot minute since Audrey and I have released an episode. Lots of life happened for both of us. There's a new baby hobbit, who's more of a toddler now, some job changes, some moves, and well, we had to pause our journey to Mordor and back for a bit. The following episode is one we recorded previously but had not yet released. We opted to pick up where we left off instead of reinventing the wheel. We're excited to bring the show back to you, and excited to keep reading The Lord of the Rings. Thanks for hanging in there and for joining us yet again on our trip through Middle-earth. Well, usually this is the point where I make a joke about it being so long since we last talked, but I don't think it's appropriate to do three times in a row. So, without you rolling your eyes, even though I can't see your eyes rolling. But this is Mordor, she wrote, and we are on a Lord of the Rings adventure together. Um, I'm Kayla. And I'm Audrey. And Kayla has never read Lord of the Rings before, while I have read it what some might say is an obscene number of times. So we are going on this journey together. And by together. some, she means me. Well, yeah, okay. A lot of people have said that. That's okay. I have no problem with that. I've read Harry Potter an obscene number of times. You know, that is, uh, that's a fair comparison, I think. Um, formative yes. fantasy series, right? For real. We all have one. Mine is definitely Harry Potter, though. Mm. Lord of the Rings for me, and you know it. But that's why we're here. We're going through this journey together. I will be your Gandalf, and you will be a clueless hobbit, apparently. That's, well, yes. Um, As as we get further and further into this this book, the more the um, similarities between myself and the wee folk um, become apparent and inescapable. So I've accepted my lot in life, furry feet and all. It's, at least you're comfortable I'm, with it, you know? Well, the only thing that makes me sad is I still am waiting on somebody to draw a picture of us together as me as a hobbit and you in a Gandalf outfit. And I'm thinking about posing it to one of the friends in our creative group on Discord and asking them to, uh, to do not it. Not a bad idea. Like, paid, paid commission, of course. Of course. But, but we yes. are on because artists artists do not make money through exposure people pay the people who make things that you'd like exposure to look at exposure kills people yes but as audrey was about to say we are on chapter 11 yes a knife in the dark and we left our hobbits in the inn in bree with strider their new friend and guide who's going to take them to rivendell who is a friend of gandalf and uh they had set up like dummies in the rooms that they were supposed to be in because we know the black oh, riders yeah. are in Bree. Oh yeah. Yes. So the black riders have arrived in Bree and correct me if I'm wrong, but they show up in their room and completely destroy it. Right. And we don't see that. That actually happens off screen because this chapter opens with, uh, I say off screen, but you know what I mean? I know. Off the page. Uh, this chapter actually opens with uh, our dear old friend oh. Fatty Bulger. Fatty Bulger. They Do left. You know, it took me. F- 
It took me like three pages to figure out that Fatty Bulger was not the innkeeper because there may have been a little hiatus between me reading the chapters I was supposed <laughs> to have read for the last time we recorded. Oh, that's and funny. Once I figured out what was going on, I was like, no, not yes. that. So Fatty was their their fifth companion, um, the hobbit they left at the house in Crick Hollow where Frodo was supposedly moving. And he stayed behind, and the Black Riders came to the house, uh, wanted to open the door and stuff, and Fatty basically was like, "Mm, if I stay here, I'm going to die. So he runs, and all the Brandy Bucks uh, living in that part of the Shire, um, they kind of amass the guard and and raise the alarm, and um, the Black Riders run away, realizing that their quarry is not there. That is, that is accurate. Poor Fatty Bulger. That's all I have to say. He put, I would be a little pissed at Frodo if I was one of his friends right now. Like, like, I know that Pippin and Merry and Sam are like his BFFs and they're like ride or die bitches. But like, if I was Fatty Bulger, I'd be a little pissed because this is not what I signed up for. You didn't know how dangerous it was going to be going in. He just said he was going to house sit and then he like he nearly dies and that would put me off a little bit. Frodo wakes suddenly out of a deep sleep is is what happens next. Right. Um I'm I'm going to be honest this time I'm flying blind. I did not write any of my notes down, so Most of this chapter it's okay. This was definitely one of the ones that dragged quite a bit um cuz there's a oh, lot of good. travel. Oh, good. It wasn't happening. just me. Yeah. Um, I I never know if my gauge is correct because I'm like, dear God, this is a lot of fucking reading. Nope, I'm gonna make it. Uh, I'm gonna make it quick in some sections of this chapter because there's not a lot happening. Um, so Frodo wakes up, goes back to sleep, wakes up again in the morning. That's when we find out that the rooms that they were supposed to be staying in had been ransacked and destroyed. Uh, so it's mm-hmm. a good thing that they did not stay in those rooms. Uh, it yes. also turns out that all of the horses in Butterbur stable which is basically the only stable in the entire town of Bree so all the horses in town have been stolen uh there are no horses yeah or run away um and so (laughs) that's one of my favorite things about this whole chapter is is the scraggly horse that they find also I can't I can't not comment on it I didn't make a comment about it in the last chapter but we have to talk about the damn ponies again (laughs) We always have to talk about the ponies. There's a, there's an overly long conversation about ponies and where they are and how to get them and why ponies are superior travel companions for hobbits. And I'm like, yes, can we move on now? Yes. So the one horse they're able to locate belongs to uh, one of the two people in the inn that after Frodo's disappearing act, they're pretty sure he like sold information to the Black Riders and his name is Bill Fernie. Um, yes. So, so they buy this. I say they. Butterbur pays for this pony. Uh, the owner of the inn pays for it to compensate them for their lost horses. Um, and he pays like triple the amount of what it's worth because they do at length describe how just absolutely shitty this pony is. <laughs> <laughs> it proved to be a bony, underfed, and dispirited animal, but it did not look like dying just yet. That is exactly what it says. And I have to say, the pony is one of my favorite parts of this section. 
because he is the real MVP of the next two chapters. It's totally true. And we get a nice little anecdote that like Tolkien does sometimes where he's like, oh, just so you guys know, the ponies are okay. They weren't actually stolen. And Butterbur gets them back after they spend some time with Tom Bombadil. And, and he's able to recoup some of his losses. I yeah, remember that. We now. get a whole big anecdote about it. And um, it's just in case you were worried. The horses are okay. Okay. But if I was Tolkien's kid reading this, and like, let's say I was like 10 or 11, I would be very concerned about what happened to the ponies. So, Kayla, are you a secret horse girl? No, I never was. I was friends with the horse girls. It was kind of like I was never a theater kid, but I was friends with the theater kids. And like, I worked backstage at the plays, but I wasn't in the plays. You're like Um, in the same ecosystem. Yeah, it's kind of also my, like, that's also my experience with things like anime and manga. Like, I was friends with the people that were into them, but they were never successful and to this day have not been successful in getting me to engage with them. And it's not that I don't see their artistic value, it's just like, eh. It's not my thing. Not your cup of tea, and that's totally okay. No. Okay, that's a lie. There's a series of manga that I do like. Um, what is it called? They take classic literature and turn it into mangas, and I have the Pride and Prejudice one. Oh. And um, sorry, I'm just derailing for a whole second here, but I just found out at work that we have a whole classroom set of the Scarlet Letter manga, and you bet your sweet ass my AP English class is reading that this year instead of the actual Scarlet Letter. So, Hell yeah. Yes. I know you despise that book. I despise the writing in the book. The story is a good story. And I always said if there was a way for me to teach the story without having to read the fucking book, we would. And now there is. And I am. And I'm so happy for you, honestly. And I have a lot of weebs in that class. So (laughs) they're going to be happy with me. I should probably cut that out. No, I love it. It's amazing. I really it, do. I do. And they're so, they're so, like, it's my favorite class. Like, if any of them ever find this podcast, they, they will, I'm sure they're not going to be surprised. But, like, they're just so nerdy and they're so proud of how nerdy they are. And That's that makes good. me proud of them. That's excellent. Nothing makes me prouder than seeing nerdy people be excited about the nerdy things they love. Including you in Lord of the Rings. And that was how I unsuccessfully segued back into what we're supposed to no, be talking about. No, I think about. it was very successful. They've they've bought this shitty pony and they're heading out <laughs> of Brie. And like basically everyone in town is either watching or following them. It's like a weird parade. Uh, and they do encounter <laughs> Bill Fernie again one more time after buying the pony off of him. And he's saying some snide stuff about Strider. And Sam takes this apple he has and throws it in his face yes! and nails him in the face yes. and then is basically like ah oh, man i wasted a good apple that was one of my favorite lines and i'm so sad you are the one that got to deliver it i'm sorry i just love it i'm i it's it's my favorite thing because uh you know He's like making fun of Strider and basically implying that Sam's not going to be able to take care of the horse. And Sam's just like, you know what? Screw you. Like, that's that's worth throwing food at you for. And he pegs him in the head with an apple. Yes. And then feels sorry for the apple. It, it's very so, funny. 
would I be right to assume that if we were watching a, like, buddy travel, like, if Lord of the Rings was a buddy travel movie, this would be one of the scenes where, um, they're just trotting along and there's, like, some slightly ominous music playing in the background as they go through these various scary landscapes. Uh, so, first of all, there is no if Lord of the Rings is a buddy travel movie. Um... (laughs) Second of all, in the movie, actually, yes, in fact, this is one of several montages where we see them walking through different kinds of terrain, different parts of like the forest. They don't follow the road very long um, in this chapter. They go off the road and um, they don't want to be followed. And then Strider says he's leading them to something called Weathertop, which is like a landmark. Oh, yes. He describes uh, and he hopes to find Gandalf there. So I'm going to pause for a second. Since I'm two for two on predictions right now, I'm going to guess that the music that is played during the during this section of the movie is also very reedy with a lot of flute-like instruments because that seems like what you would play if you were watching hobbits travel through the wilderness. Yes and no, but we're going to let that one stand until we actually watch the movies. We'll put a fork in that one for now. A yes. pin, not a fork. It's I not mean, done. It just needs a holding. fork. Is fine. <laughs> yes. uh, so, so Weathertop. They make it to Weathertop. To, they hope to find Gandalf. Yes, they they travel for a while, and in the midst of traveling, uh, they're talking about this ancient elf elf king because Weathertop. It turns out to be the ruins of an old Gilgalad. Yes, and so they bring up Gilgalad, and of all people, Sam is the one who starts reciting the song about Gilgalad, who is an old elven king, and he says he heard the poem from Bilbo. Bilbo Baggins. Um, We learn that Sam is the friend that you want to get drunk and take to karaoke in this chapter, because he's actually like a fairly good singer. Yeah, absolutely. He's kind of embarrassed about it and stuff. Also, uh, stop you guys. After that song, there's like, so I I made this note. Strider seems superstitious about saying things aloud because this is the second time in this chapter that someone has like started to say Mordor or something about the Black Riders, and he's been like, "Hey, don't say that out loud." Yeah, he's. I'm literally looking at it right now. Going to Mordor, cried Pippin. I hope it won't come to that. And Strider snaps at him and says, don't speak that name so loudly. Yes. And And then there's a paragraph break. So, And there's another instance of him doing that in this chapter also where I don't know exactly what is like almost said, but he's basically like, hey, don't. So it's very um, like speaking a thing's name has power, uh, very like saying something aloud makes it real or invites ill upon you kind of thing so it's it's um it's an interesting trait for someone who is like so capable to have right and is this about the point where they actually climb the hill to the top yeah they have um there's and we get a lengthy description of the ruins that are at the top of the hill and how strider is like well the men from this one place used to live up here and yeah. it used to be and it's all ruins now but like it's a good vantage point so yes. Gandalf and might be there so let's go we see they get to the weather top and we see a very hastily carved rune and the number three 
um, scratched mm-hmm. out. And so Strider surmises that it's uh, Gandalf's mark and that he was here on the 3rd of October, which is now the 6th of October. Yes. And then he's like, we got to keep going to River- Riverdale, Jesus, Rivendale. You know, Riverdale crossover with Lord of the Rings would be something. <laughs> yes. And I just remember Frodo is very distraught that it's supposed to take them a fortnight to get there. Because they're running out of food. Hobbits love their food. It's true. It's the second crisis about food they've had in this chapter. Yes. And for my American friends, a fortnight is two weeks. Not a video game. Yes, this one is actually spelled differently, too. Yes, of course. So. Uh, So they see... While they're up on Weathertop, they see the Black Riders assembled below way off in the distance, and they find some supplies left by other rangers. Um, Yes, and doesn't it look like they left in a hurry? Or that was the Gandalf's camp, looks like. Yes, Gandalf's camp looks like he left in a hurry, um, and he used some of the supplies the rangers had stocked here. Yes, yes. Um, Um, Gandalf, it appears, um, as we say in Boondock Saints, made like a tree and got the fuck out of there. Yeah, it sounds about right. So. Um, um, let's see and there's a make- kind of an interlude discussion about how the black writers like sense things because they can't really see but they can apparently communicate with their horses which can see and also they have a really yeah. acute sense of smell for blood I was about to say yes they can I was like doesn't it have something to do with their sniffers sure does they at all times they smell the blood of living things desiring and hating it and then it's also implied Mm. that they have um like extrasensory perception of some kind i don't like any of what we just talked about that's um it's pretty gross mm. yeah so don't they go up there and make don't they camp at the top they do and aragorn tells them a bedtime story about baron and luthien um, which is like an oh, ancient yes. couple. Baron, son of Barahir, is a human man who falls in love with Luthien Tenuviel, who's an elf. Um, we don't. Yes. We don't actually. We that like that's not relevant at all to the Lord of the Rings. But um, if I ever get I actually you to read, really like that story. If I ever get you to read the Silmarillion, we'll read the unabridged version of it. Well, yes, I'd be down. But he sings this whole song, which is like two pages long, and then gives us a summary of the song, which is like a page long. Well, and then that takes us close to the end of the chapter, which is where some sketchy shit goes down. Yeah, the Black Riders uh, come up to Weathertop and attack them, and Frodo... Being the dumbass he is, puts the ring back on. He's compelled to put the ring on. And when he does, he sees this, like, shadow world where there's, like, these wraithy-looking... The Black Riders, instead of looking black, they look like wraithy king, like, ghosts. He can see under their their cloaks, and he does not like what he sees. Um, Much like when your bumble date doesn't go the way you're expecting it to. Oh, no. Trust me, there is no story there. I just... um, it's just a you get well-known all the story. fact, yes. I think. Yes. It's a truth universally acknowledged that a single girl <laughs> in possession of an iPhone must be on a dating app. Oh, very good. Very nice. <laughs> I was um, really proud of that. That's, that is write that really good. You a, should write it can down. We, can we get a sticker made of that? I mean, probably. Yeah, I can design something. Ha. Yes. But yeah, so we end this chapter with uh, he... Um, 
Frodo says the name of two ancient elves, Elbereth and Gilthoniel. And oh, I'm so glad that I wasn't the one that had to struggle over those because I, I I'll say out. all the Elvish stuff. I taught myself uh, one of the Elvish languages when I was a kid. So, um, how yeah. does how do you do that? The appendices. I can't even master Spanish. The appendices in Return of the King have a very detailed explanation of Sindarin and Kenya. So, uh. I'm going to pretend like I know what you just said. There are two elvish languages. Don't worry about it. I'm I'm guessing by the return of the king, I need to be familiar with them. Uh, Not really. So. No, it's not relevant. It's just extras. (laughs) That's just Tolkien for you. Mm -hmm. Uh, But yes, so he says the names of these ancient elves, uh, gets stabbed in the shoulder and catches a glimpse of Strider with a flaming torch and hit both of his hands. Uh, and then yes. he s- manages to slip the ring off, and that is the end of the chapter. I mean, I know Frodo has to keep the ring. Like, he, it, it's his job to guard it and get it where it's supposed to go. And technically, I'm not supposed to be aware of this, but I know that he's the one that's in charge of destroying the ring because there would not be three more books in the series. Like, no one spoiled anything for me. I just used my, like, English major um sixth sense to to guess that that's where this is going and like frodo is frustrating i like him he's like a little brother he's just like he keeps doing stupid stuff and you're like but why will you ever learn and the answer is no he will not i think it's important to note that he's compelled he doesn't just put the ring on in any of these scenarios he uh, i mean at the prancing pony that was just idiocy uh and him not realizing how dangerous it is yet but as you mentioned last chapter he clearly recognizes how dangerous it is now and the compulsion is just something that he's not able to fight um i don't think that he realized yet that the ring would be so compelling yeah well i don't like it and i'm gonna take it up with mr tolkien in the future i mean yeah feel free i guess yeah well that was the end of chapter 11 we we got there it's not a whole lot happening in that one but um yeah yeah, so this was going to be a long episode because sometimes you and i like to wax poetic about the um the nature scenes the nature scenes in in these like this section of chapters i find them to mostly just drag down the narrative because there's a sense of urgency and oh we have to reach rivendell to meet gandalf there right but everybody has muddy wet feet audrey and we need to talk about it for six we have to talk about the food going down and and so i don't mind travel scenes but i think that it doesn't serve the narrative super well in this part because of oh, yeah. the urgency and especially now that Frodo's been stabbed you're like okay so what do we do about this well yeah and I think part of the thing that gets me is a majority of my fantasy reading in my life has been um, it started with Harry Potter and quickly devolved into popular YA fantasy series where things are a lot snappier and um, we don't wax poetic about nature and poetry and how fat the ponies are and how happy the ponies are and um you know the various complaints that i have about this so reading what is considered adult fantasy or high fantasy has me um 
perplexed at times and I have to like pause and be like, hey, this is a different genre technically. So it's a pacing preference. And I also think that Tolkien in particular um, differs from a lot of contemporary adult fantasy or new adult fantasy. Um, Just Mm -hmm. just in the fact that he does have such a leisurely way of writing um, and that his filler, I find easier to skim because he's not going into detail about all these ancient kingdoms and ancient elves and stuff. He's literally just like, I'm just going to name drop these and don't worry about it. And I'm going to wax poetic about trees for two pages versus a lot of (laughs) contemporary adult fantasy where I find that they're like, I'm just going to talk for two pages about the political structures in these kingdoms that I haven't actually introduced you to yet. And I'm like, I don't care. And I don't want to read this. Yes. And Tolkien also has a fun way of, um, he has a fun way of handling fight scenes, which is to say he mostly doesn't describe them. I'm down for that. I'm 100% here because I, as a writer of fantasy, also struggle with writing fight scenes as Audrey is painfully aware of because she has read a whole, a whole draft. I mean, you're not alone in it. I find that a lot of authors, um, either over describe their fight scenes because they're really preoccupied with where everyone is. Um, and so they were looking at you Imperium trilogy. Oh, I know. (laughs) And they, you know, it's, there's no room for the reader to like extrapolate or fill in the blanks or, um, get a sense for how they feel the fight is going. Um, or you get the other side of things is where they describe the fight, but then they aren't really keeping track of where people are. So then it's confusing. And so I really like what, what Tolkien does, which is to say, I'm just going to tell you that a fight is happening and here's how people arm themselves. And then we're going to just not really talk about it. Like other than Aragorn giving the hobbits torches and taking torches for himself and Frodo saying yeah he sees Aragorn with torches in both hands we don't get a description of this fight and um, you know as we will see in the next chapter there's no further description like even when they're recounting the fight they don't go into detail about what happened and they like it's a summary of the fight and partly that's because we're following Frodo who's a non-combatant but it continues that way in future fights uh, in this yes. series where Tolkien is just like, it is not so important that you know every single movement and every single thing that happened. I'm just going to give you the the important highlights, which is to say who gets injured, um, you know, who leaves when and why did they retreat kind of thing. And that's all we need to know. And I'm glad he does that. Um, yeah. Yeah. Sorry, that was, I, I have a lot of strong no, feelings about writing fights. And so... Um, it's something that just now talking about it, I realized that Tolkien has definitely been a big influence on me because if I, Oh yeah. If I'm reading a book where they describe the fights in super detail, I often skim them and then just get to the end to find out who got hurt or kidnapped or killed or whatever. And I don't care. Oh, that's been me. The, that's been me the entire Imperium trilogy so far. I know. I, I'm almost done with book two, but that's neither here nor there. Well, well, I hope you're, you've again, enjoyed it. It doesn't get better, Kayla. I'm very sorry. The third book was the worst in that trilogy. <laughs> I'm sorry I recommended it's it. It's okay. It's okay. I'm invested now. I know. Um, that's. A, I got through the second one, and I was like, well, now I have to read the third one. And then the third one was just not great. 
Yes, I saw your review on Goodreads and you were like, I could have done with a hundred less pages of this. I'm like, well, that's exciting to look forward to. Yeah, I'm so sorry. I don't know if I'm going to hit my 30. I don't know if I'm going to hit my 35 book goal for this year. Maybe just try some other books. Oh, that's like, you you know my reading habits. I usually have like two or three books going at one time. And some people call me a psycho and I'm like, you just got to do what I do, which is I, so I got to a certain point and I was like, well, I'm pregnant and I don't know how much time I'll have to read after the baby gets here. And so I started reading a bunch of novellas and like books that are 200 pages or less. And now (laughs) I've exceeded my goal by like 40 books. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I am six books behind set schedule, and I have two months to get caught up. You can so. do it. I believe in you. Oh, I totally can. I'm going to. Like, I just finished listening to The Subtle Knife by Philip Pullman. Oh, nice. Um, That's Golden Compass trilogy, right? Yes, because I want to watch the series on HBO, but hmm. I finished all of season one, and I was glad that I had read the first half of... Uh, when I say read, I mean listen to the audiobook. I had already listened to the first half of the second audiobook, which I'm glad I did because they brought in some of the elements from the second book into the first season and to fill out some storylines and to get some like foreshadowing in place for season two. And I'm glad I knew what was going on. And that's all I have to say about that. But that's neither here nor there. And I think that takes us to the end of chapter 11. It sure does. So... Again, we'll skip the predictions because we are recording these in batches and we have one more and episode. And I didn't write them down. I know. We have one so. more episode so Kayla can make some predictions at the end of that God, episode. I'm going to be so sad at the end of the next episode. That's okay. You can It'll make some okay. predictions then. And um, and yeah. actually, yeah, that'll be that's, that's it. That's all we have. Kayla, do you want to tell them about our yep. social channels? We are on Instagram and Twitter under Mordor underscore she wrote. And you can email us at mordorshewrotepodcast at gmail.com. Um, a Facebook page does exist. You can go like it. That's probably going to be all the interaction you ever get with it at this point. Um, yeah, maybe in the future. We're not a whole I, lot I never say on never. Facebook. Um, I'm an observer on Facebook. I'm not much of a poster. But um, if you want lively interaction with Audrey and I, you can find us both on Instagram. So... Yes, Instagram, and I oh. check our Twitter account quite frequently as well. So please feel free to in- interact oh, with us One of us on does. those platforms. <laughs> I'm on Twitter like every day anyway. I just use TweetDeck, and so it's like, here's my personal Twitter, and here's like the three business Twitter accounts that I have <laughs> for different things. So I'm on there all the time. Yes. Well, I guess now is the part where I tell tell them to let the stars shine on the end of their road. Again, thank you for joining us for this episode. Our next one covering our conversation of chapter 12 will also be a previously recorded episode, but we will be back with new content starting with chapter 13 in a few weeks' time. Thanks again for sticking around. If you'd like to get in contact with the show, we can be reached by email at mordorshewrotepodcast at gmail.com or on Instagram at at mordor underscore she wrote.